0: to this edition of the Thoracic Surgery Resident Association's podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for teaching purposes only and should not be applied directly to
1: patient care.
0: Thanks for joining us for this edition of the TSRA podcast. I'm David Butzer. I'm currently a clinical PGY-4 in the Integrated cardiothoracic Surgery Program at Columbia University. And we're joined today by Dr. Jyoti Chohan. Dr. Chohan is an assistant professor of urology at the School of Medicine at OHSU. She completed a fellowship in male urologic reconstruction at Wake Forest Medical Center after her residency training at SUNY Downstate Medical Center. Prior to her career as a physician, she was a hospital pharmacist. Currently, she specializes in the management of urethral stricture disease, male stress urinary incontinence, fistulas of the urinary tract, and male voiding dysfunction. Notably for us, she's been leading an initiative to provide trainees at OHSU with education on billing and coding and developing a curriculum on this subject. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Chohan. So we'll start right off with our first question. When did you become interested in this topic, and why do you think it's important for surgeons to be knowledgeable in this area?
1: So when I was a resident, billing and coding was not on my radar. I was only sort of peripherally aware that my attendings were doing it, but didn't understand its necessity. And then in fellowship, my director exposed me to primarily clinic-based coding and expected me to code appropriately for all notes with his oversight. And in addition, the billing team would send us a list of CPT or procedural codes that they were planning to submit for every surgery, and we would review these prior to submission. This was my first real introduction essentially to this topic, but I think it's incredibly important for all physicians and especially surgeons to be knowledgeable on this topic because our personal compensation and ability to ask for more staff as our practice grows oftentimes depends on these measures of productivity.
0: Why do newly practicing surgeons often struggle in this area, and what resources are currently available for them to utilize?
1: As a urologist, I think most of our residency and fellowship programs do not provide any structured education in this area. And in addition, there are many academic urologists who may feel um, not totally comfortable teaching this topic. So most likely, these trends extend across other surgical specialties as well. And the most common questions I get generally are where do I start or what's out there for me to use as a resource? And these are the ones I recommend really across all specialties. So the first one is the American Medical Association CPT Codebook. This comes out annually and contains all of Mm -hmm. the approved CPT codes for all specialties. And for those of you who don't know what a CPT code is, it is a five digit code that's assigned to a given procedure. Um, and this code gets re- uh, submitted to insurance for approval. And then eventually a payment uh, is associated with that uh, code or service. It's important to note that these codes are updated yearly. And, and again, that's why these CPT code books uh, come out annually. I generally recommend that residents or fellows buy this book uh, before graduation to become familiar with any codes that you will perform most often in practice. And if you have any questions about these codes, you can contact your institution's coding team before you leave. Next is a subspecialty CPT book. So the AMA also publishes these, which uh, can sometimes be better for those who are new to coding. And I checked, and there is one specifically for cardiology and cardiothoracic surgery. And these subspecialty books are great because for a given CPT code, you get a fairly in-depth description of the general steps for the procedure, so you can make sure you're using the right code for the right case. Next is your practice or hospitals billing and coding team. And I sort of jokingly tell our residents that this is one of the most important relationships you'll have in life. I really think it's in your best interest to meet your subspecialty coders and create an open line of communication with them. As an example, I was asked by our department to audit our billing and coding outcomes in the early part of the pandemic. And from this, I realized that we weren't getting full credit for some of the surgeries we were performing, which I think can be frustrating as a surgeon. And in addition, until that audit, we had not established good communication channels. And I think since then, um, really things have only improved. And then lastly, state and national conferences. I don't think you should underestimate these as ways to either learn or brush up on what's new in your specialty when it comes to billing and coding. Um, Try to peruse the agenda for these meetings ahead of time. And some societies will even have an entire day devoted to this topic.
0: That's great. I think as I delve into this, I just become more and more aware of how little I know. So I didn't know about the AMA books, and that's a great resource. And how does the work of residents and fellows impact coding?
1: So currently, if a resident works with an attending physician and clinic to see patients, the attending physician can bill in one of two ways. The first is to bill based on the total time that the attending physician is in the room with the patient. Unfortunately, at this time, resident time does not count towards time-based billing. Or um, a patient encounter can be billed based on medical decision-making. So while both of these are really more attending um, impacted, I do think residents uh, obviously contribute to writing clinic notes um, and practicing these skills on appropriate documentation and how you might code would be critical things that you could learn as part of your residency training.
0: And uh, you gave some of the definitions earlier, but going back to the basics, could you define three of the major concepts in billing and coding, namely the Work Relative Value Unit or WRVU, the CPT code, and the modifier?
1: So let's start with what an RVU is before we get into what is a WRVU or Work RVU. RVU stands for Relative Value Unit, and these units are used by our government government payer, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and private payers or insurance companies to determine payment for services. Each service or surgery is assigned a certain number of total RVUs. And these total RVUs are actually made of three subcomponents. The most important of these three to us as physicians is the work RVU. The other two are the practice expense and the malpractice RVUs. So for surgeons who are hospital employed or part of an academic medical system, oftentimes the amount of work RVUs we generate in our practice um, has become tied to our personal compensation. So an example would be achieving a certain salary if you met the exec- expected number of work RVUs. Um, Next is CPT code. So like I mentioned before, that's a five-digit code that describes a billable procedure or surgery. And these codes are updated and revised, again, yearly by the American Medical Association. So when you ask your scheduler to submit a surgery request on your behalf for a patient, they'll submit other components like the patient's name and diagnosis, but also the relevant CPT codes for the surgery or surgeries you're requesting. Of note, each of these codes has a particular work RVU amount assigned to it that is fixed across the country. Lastly, a modifier is a two-digit code that signals to coders and payers or insurance companies that you've done extra work that is not captured by the CPT code alone. For instance, modifier 50 signifies you did surgery bilaterally so that you can get credit for both sides, which is above and over the credit you would get for one side.
0: What are a few easy ways that residents, fellows, or new surgeons can integrate these concepts to get all of the credit they deserve for the work they're doing?
1: So as a resident or fellow in clinic, there's usually an area in the EMR where you can enter the codes for your clinic visits. I would consider practicing that with attending oversight when you feel like you have the basics of coding for clinic visits understood. That section should also allow you to enter CPT codes for any procedures that you're doing in the clinic as well. And for a list of commonly performed CPTs that you do in clinic, you can reach out to your coding team who can provide this for you. And in general, I store these as favorites in my EMR so they don't have to keep trying to enter them for every patient. And then for trainees or new surgeons alike, I think it's helpful to include the CPT code or codes in your operative note under the procedures Mm. perform section. Our coding team at our institution has actually told us that they appreciate this for two reasons. One is as they review the operative note and come up with their own codes, they can compare it to what you noted. And second, if it doesn't match up, this should make them either re-review the operative note, maybe they've missed something, or contact you to figure out why there's a mismatch. Maybe they've never coded thoracic surgery before, or maybe you didn't explain a portion of your note clearly enough to get credit, or maybe you put down the incorrect code and this can become a learning point for you. That's
0: great. And then our last question for today is what are the most common mistakes that are made by new attendings?
1: So not trying to arm yourself with at least a basic understanding of the coding and billing process I think is a common mistake. I know that we didn't become physicians to learn material like this, but like I said before, it affects our personal compensation and often our ability to garner more support for our practice. Next uh, mistake I think is not establishing rapport and open communication with your coding team. And then lastly is not auditing your practice at the start of your career. So when I started my practice in mid-2019, I asked the coding team to run a report every six months for the first two years and send me a list of clinic and OR patients and the CPT codes that were being submitted to insurance. I would then review these uh, and compare them to what I was uh, noting in my operative notes and in my clinic notes and found that sometimes they didn't match up with what I believed was correct for these encounters or other times the coding was inconsistent for no clear reason. And through this process, I was able to build my rapport with the coding team and clarify concerns in order to get maximum credit for what I was doing.
0: This is fantastic. Uh, So uh, with that, thank you again for joining us, Dr. Chauhan. Uh, For those of you who are listening, please let us know what you think about the podcast and the topic Uh, based on your interests. We can hopefully invite Dr. Chauhan to return for a webinar so we can discuss this in person, maybe answer any lingering questions in a live format.